Hi, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron, I'm joined today by Tammy, and we're so happy you're joining us. Yes, absolutely, we're so happy that you're here. And whether this is your very first time to New City Online, or maybe you've been with us for a while, we want to get to know you. And the way that we do that is through newcity.us connect. We have an online form there that we'd love for you to fill out. That's right, and one of us will be in touch with you this week. So now let's get ready to worship together. Well, welcome to New City Online. We're so glad you're here with us today. It says in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And all throughout scripture, hundreds of times, it talks about do not fear or, or be not afraid. And this is just a promise to us that God is in control. There's nothing that we can do but the Lord and his power in raising Jesus from the dead is with us and is for us, and we can trust in that. And that's what this first song is about. So let's sing it together. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who's with us and who's for us. And we place our trust in you in this very moment. And there's power in your name that you've saved us and you've redeemed us. Help us to trust you more and to hear you speak to us through your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God is our way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. What an amazing truth. Yes, and he has also given us an amazing gift that I want to remind us of today. He knew that life was going to be hard and that the effects of sin uh, would prevent, present challenges to us, present obstacles, loneliness, all of the things that we're experiencing. And you know what? Before he created the world, he knew that there was going to be a 2020. And so he gave us this gift of biblical community because he does not want us to walk alone. He wants us to walk side by side, caring for one another, serving one another, studying the scriptures with one another. Community is our design here at New City, and we have an event coming up, GroupLink. Maybe you've never been in a group, or maybe you've been in a group for many years, but you're currently not in a group. GroupLink is a place for you to find your circle of eight to 12 people to experience biblical community with. That event's gonna be September 27th. You can register for that at newcity.us grouplink. And it's for all of our locations, even our New City Online family. So no matter where you are, Alabama, Arkansas, wherever you are, we have a group for you. That's right. And another great way to build community is by serving together. And at New City, we say that, that servant leadership is our offering. And in fact, we had a group this past week who partnered with one of our city partners, Common Heart, and they renovated and built a food pantry in the, in the city of Marshville. If you want to learn about ways you can serve as a part of New City, you can go to our website, newcity.us serve now. It's so cool to just see that visual example of our new city people out uh, bringing gospel renewal to our city and world. And that's our mission. We want to be a community of Christ followers and have that strong biblical community, but also bring the gospel. That's why God established the church. Will you guys take a moment? Let's pray for our offering. You can give today at the website, newcity.us give. Give wherever you are, just bow your head. Let's pray for the offering. Father God, we are so grateful uh, for your church that you established to bring hope and Jesus to the world. And thank you for New City. Thank you for this church that you've given us to be a part of. And we pray right now as we give that you will bless what we give and that you will bring gospel renewal to our city and world through this church. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so excited to continue our Nehemiah series, Rebuilding. So here's Chris Payne with part five. Great to see each of you today, New City Church. Thanks for joining us from whatever location you may be joining us today. We're grateful to have you. If you missed last week at New City, uh, we had a great weekend honoring our first responders here in the Charlotte metro area. And so we, 
we honored uh, medic and of course CMPD and the fire department and just had a wonderful time thanking uh, so many first responders and uh, blessing them. We had a drive-through at our Idawag campus to, to hand out uh, Gatorade and water and, and gift bags to them. And, and just across all of our locations, we're able to honor first responders. And so thanks to each of you who are serving in that way for all of our first responders that call New City uh, their home. And thanks to all of our first responders uh, in our city who serve us so well. It was a great weekend uh, to be able to do that. And we also in, uh, continued our series through Nehemiah. And we actually worked our way through uh, chapter four the last two weeks. Uh, Pastors Rodney and Travis did a great job uh, leading us in that. If you missed, you can go back and listen. And that sets us up today for Nehemiah chapter five. So wherever you might be today, I wanna encourage you to to open your scriptures. Um, You can do so uh, via the app as well. The passage is already preloaded there. Uh, Just as a reminder, we produce a sermon study guide for you to go further with the sermons uh, individually or as a family or in your group. And wanna encourage you to check that out. You can of course go back and listen to all the previous sermons as well. And there's an outline to follow along on the app. So open the scriptures, if you would, with me today to Nehemiah chapter five, as we continue our series on rebuilding uh, through Nehemiah. And let's pray together. God, thank you so much today uh, for the chance to worship you. And that's, that's what we're here to do today is to worship you, to look to you, um, to look to your word and your truth. And I wanna pray for each of my friends today that you would help us um, to see you, And I pray that you would work and move in our hearts and minds um, as we look to you, that you would help each of us today uh, to take a step closer to you, Jesus, uh, a step closer to the person that you've called us to be. And we wanna give you the glory for that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So just to reset the story of Nehemiah as we come to chapter five today and continue our series, Nehemiah, the story begins in a city called Susa, which was a thousand miles from the city of Jerusalem. And so you can see here Judea on the map and Susa, it's separated by a thousand miles. Uh, Nehemiah, of course, we find in chapter one is the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, who's the most powerful and important man in the world because he oversees the Persian empire, which you see here in yellow. And so Nehemiah plays this really, really important role in the royal court of King Artaxerxes, but God places a burden on his heart Uh, to go back to Jerusalem, uh, to go back to where his people came from and to rebuild the walls. Uh, around the city. And this wasn't just a, a construction project, if you, if you will, because we've, we've learned even in the first four chapters that it wasn't just the rebuilding of the physical walls, it was the rebuilding of a people. It was renewing their commitment to be the faithful people of God and to serve the one true God and to, to return to him, if you will. And so Nehemiah is called by God to go back to Jerusalem um, and to rebuild these walls, to, to bring his kingdom right here on earth through his people, the people of Israel, uh, by restoring and renewing and, and rebuilding. And whenever we do that, whenever we, we, we lean in and we, we, we press forward to bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, we can expect what? we can expect opposition. And so the first four chapters of Nehemiah, as we've covered, are full of opposition. As as Nehemiah leads forward and the people rally around him to to rebuild and restore and renew, they they face opposition. And up until this point in chapter five, it's all external opposition from the different nations that surrounded them and different people who wanted to stand in their way and and just the, the enemy of God himself standing against the kingdom of God coming on earth. But in chapter five, things change. 
If you think about maybe like your, one of your favorite movies where the, the hero kind of rallies a group of people together. So maybe like Remember the Titans, what an awesome movie. Uh, Band of, of, of Brothers. Um, I don't know what, what that is for you. Gladiator, where this small group of people led by a hero kind of rallies to, to face external opposition and overcome all odds to, 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 to persevere and prevail. That's kind of the story of Nehemiah's chapters one through four. But when we get to chapter five, again, something changes. It's not, uh, it's not external opposition, but, but opposition begins to happen from within. So let's look at chapter five and begin just with verse one. Let me read it to you. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. Pay attention to those last words, against their Jewish brothers. There arose this great outcry of the people And it wasn't against the external forces that were trying to keep them from uh, renewing and restoring uh, the people of God in the city of Jerusalem. It was from within. It was against their own Jewish brothers. So, so as, we, as we get to chapter five here in the story, the, the record kind of scratches. Uh, these, these words in, in verse one, chapter five, should sort of jolt us because uh, the opposition isn't external, is it? It's It's internal. It's from within. They begin to, to fight against each other. I love what Warren Wearsby says. He says, when the enemy fails to prevail from the outside, he turns his attention to the inside. And the same is true for us as a people of God. If the enemy can't come against us externally, he, he comes against us internally. And so the unity and the bond of community that we've seen happen in the first four chapters in the story of Nehemiah is shattered in just this one verse, this great outcry of the people against one another. What, what's happening? As we look at the scriptures here in the story, what, what, what's going on? Why is this happening? Well, remember that Nehemiah is basically first person historical narrative, meaning these are Nehemiah's memoirs as recorded by Ezra. And so he's telling us the story. He's gonna tell us exactly what happened. There's this great outcry against one another, this internal opposition against one another. And here's exactly what's happening. Verses two through five, look at it with me. For there were those who said, uh, with our sons and, and, and our daughters, we are many. Uh, so, so let us grain let, 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 that we may eat and we may keep alive. Uh, there were also those who said, we're mortgaging our fields and our, our vineyards and our houses to get grain because of the famine. And there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers and our children as, a, a, as, as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved. Listen to these words, verse five. But it is not in our power to help it. For other men have our fields and our vineyards. In other words, Nehemiah is describing for us uh, why this, uh, this great outcry is happening because there are people with power who are forcing people who don't have power to, to, to pay extra tax. They're, they're forcing them to mortgage the fields that they have to pay tax to the king. They're enslaving their sons and their daughters. They're oppressing one another. And there were two great sins that are happening here as we look to the scriptures. Uh, Exodus forbids usury. That's the first thing that's happened is exacting a tax that's 
an exorbitant amount of interest uh, on debt. And that's what's happening. The, the, the Jews are uh, forcing one another to pay excessive taxes, but it's also slavery. They're enslaving one another and that's forbidden in Leviticus. So, so they're committing these two great sins against one another. And can you imagine just for a moment in your mind's eye, take yourself back to, to this story. Can you imagine with all the crisis that's happening externally, that they're trying to rebuild the walls, they're trying to build themselves back up, they're trying to renew and restore themselves as the nation and the people of God. And yet in the midst of all that context, there's this bickering and fighting and oppression within one another. In this difficult crisis as a nation, there were still haves and have nots. There were people with power and people who didn't have power. And look again at verse five with me in Nehemiah five, verse five, the second part of it. As they describe what's going on and, and Nehemiah is telling the story here of this internal opposition and oppression with one another, there's this, there's this haunting phrase, right? A, a heartbreaking phrase where they say, we, we, we don't have power to do anything about it. This oppression is happening, this injustice is happening, but there's nothing we can do about it. And Nehemiah is listening to this. He's, he's taking all of it in. And as God's people today, we should take it in. When hurting people speak, when oppressed people speak, we as God's people, as Christ's followers should listen. And it doesn't mean, listen guys, it doesn't mean that we have to always agree with everything, but we should have a posture of listening and understanding and desiring to want to know what is happening this great outcry of the people that happens in Nehemiah 5 verses 1 through 5, this great outcry leads to a great outcry within Nehemiah. As, as the people are crying out and their oppression, something begins to stir within Nehemiah. And the same thing should happen for us as Christ followers. That when, when we hear the cries of the world, we should cry out to God for mercy and for justice and for love and for grace that we know today only comes from Jesus. The great outcry of people should lead to a great outcry of our hearts to God. Here, here's a great prayer, a prayer that, that, that I believe that Nehemiah was praying as he heard this great outcry. God, would you break my heart for the things that break your heart? Would you help me to be tender to the things that you want me to be tender to in this world, to listen, to understand, and to move in my heart as you're moving in the hearts of people today. So let's listen to Nehemiah's response here to this, to this great outcry in verses six in the beginning of verse seven. I love this. Nehemiah says, I was very angry. And if you have your scriptures, just highlight that or underline that. I was very angry when I heard their outcry of, the, of these words. I took counsel with myself. Nehemiah allows himself to feel something, doesn't he? And he describes what the emotion is. One of the core emotions that we have today is people, anger. He feels angry and he, he doesn't try to numb it. He doesn't try to cover it. He doesn't try to rationalize it. He doesn't, he doesn't blame right away. He allows himself to feel something. You know, I think, I think today with, with so much going on around us in the current context and climate that we find ourselves in as Christ followers, we can become numb, can't we? 
We, we just hear news story after news story. We see crisis after crisis, uh, oppression after uh, oppression, injustice after injustice that's committed in all kinds of different ways. And we can kind of numb ourselves to it and close our hearts to it. But that's not what Nehemiah models for us here in Nehemiah 5. He listens he pays attention. He allows his heart to be, to be broken and to be moved and to be, to be angry. But then we get to this, this, this really curious phrase after Nehemiah says, I was very angry when I heard this outcry. You know, a lot of us, when we actually feel anger, we, we just react to it, don't we? With our words and our, our actions. And, and even today, you may have found yourself this week just getting angry and sort of popping off with your words or your actions, your behavior. And, and maybe you're even feeling a little bit of regret for that. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. We can learn so much from Nehemiah here about, about how he handles this, this righteous indignation, this, this anger at this oppression that's happening. He, he says th this, this curious phrase in verse seven. He says, I took counsel with myself. Isn't that an interesting word? It, this, is, this is the only time in the Bible that this phrase occurs in this way. I took counsel within myself. The, the literal clause here could be interpreted, then my heart took counsel within me. In other words, Nehemiah paused. When he felt anger, when he felt that boiling up inside of him because he heard the, the, the outcry of the people, when he allowed himself to feel their heartbreak and, and, and he begins to experience that, that heartbreak within his own heart, he doesn't just react to it. He pauses and he takes counsel with himself. In other words, he looks within his heart into the truth that God has placed in his heart. He pauses and he looks to God. He deliberately consults with what he knows to be true from God. The wisdom of the Lord overwhelms his purely emotional Response. Isn't this a great word for us? That we shouldn't be numb to our emotions. That's how God wired us to be emotional, to feel things. But we also shouldn't be led around by our feelings. We should pause and bring all of our feelings under the Lordship of Christ. We should take counsel within ourselves the truth that God has placed within our hearts before we react. It reminds us of Psalm 4.4, where the psalmist says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent, selah, which means to pause. This is such a great application for us today, isn't it? We live in a world that is angry, a world that is heartbroken, we see so much oppression and injustice, so much hurt, so much pain. And it's easy for us to just want to lash out, right? With our own hurtful words, our own hurtful actions. You know, hurting people do what? They hurt people. And it's so easy for us when we feel hurt or pain or anger to want to, to make other people feel that way. Nehemiah doesn't do that. He takes counsel with himself. He goes to the Lord. He allows his emotions to come underneath the Lordship of Christ. And then and only then does he begin to speak and to, and, to, and to live into this injustice that he's feeling. As Christ followers, we can be angry and we, we can learn not to sin in our anger, not to, to type out that email in our anger, to, to pound out that text in our anger, to, to say those words or to, to behave in such a way that is not Christ honoring or is, is sinful. 
As we stand up for other people, we have to begin to learn to look to God and to take our anger and frustration to God first. I have a a dear friend that asked me a question this week as we were studying this passage together. He said, who are you standing up for today? What a great question. As Christ followers, who are you standing up for? What person or group of people are you advocating for? Are you listening to? What is your heart broken for today? I heard one pastor say this, you know, each of us has a, a holy discontent, a righteous anger that when we see something in the world that is not how it should be, we, we want to uh, speak into that. and We want to bring God's kingdom into those spaces and those places and those situations. But we have to look to God first because everyone listen to this. Everyone pay attention to this. If, if we just listen to the outcry and then we react to it, in our, own, in our own anger, our own frustration, our own hurt, oftentimes we're just gonna hurt other people. We're gonna add to the hurt. We're gonna add to the frustration and the oppression. And, and, and when we try to, 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 to speak into injustice and oppression, but we don't look to God first, oftentimes we can begin to oppress other people with our opinions. And we just add to the problem. And if I may, I think we see that happening in our world today. And we need to stop. And we need to look to God and take counsel within ourselves and the truth that God's placed in our hearts as Christ's followers. We need to look to him first before we stand up for others. So Nehemiah models this so well for us. He stands up for others by looking to God first. And what he does here, look at verses seven through 13. He calls this great assembly together. He calls them all together. And he begins after he pauses and looks to God for his wisdom and what God is calling him to do. He doesn't just let it go. Then he begins to speak and to act. He confronts their sins and he names reality as a leader. Remember, the number one job of a leader is to name reality. What's happening? And also to see what God wants to do in that situation and how can I be a part of that? Nehemiah begins to do that in verses seven and eight. He calls this great assembly and he begins to name the reality of what's happening. He he confronts them in their sin. He says in verse nine, very plainly, look at it with me. What you're doing is not good. You ought to behave differently. You ought to live differently. He names it. He, He doesn't skirt around the issue. He just says, this isn't good and it shouldn't be this way. And then look at verses 10 through 11 here in Nehemiah chapter five. He tells them and he models them how they should be behaving, how they should be living towards one another as they follow the one true God and God's people, how they should act towards one another, how they should speak towards one another. And he says, we're modeling this. I'm modeling this as a leader today. I'm not, I'm not uh, charging extra tax on people. I'm not, I'm not enslaving anybody. I'm, I'm leading people from a pure heart as I consult and I look to God first. And then finally, he asked them because they say, you're right. You know, in fact, what the Bible says here is they couldn't say anything. In other words, they didn't have any argument to bring back against him. They knew this was true. When Nehemiah paused and he looked to God and he brought the truth of God to them, it caused conviction, which it should cause in each of our hearts, that we're convicted by God's truth. And then we do something called repentance. And the word repentance means to turn or to change. There's, there's repentance here, there's change. They said, we don't wanna do this anymore. And Nehemiah says, that's great. But he goes a step further, look at it with me. Uh, verses 12 and 13, he asked them here in Nehemiah 5 to make a commitment. As he calls this great assembly, there's this great repentance and a great commitment that they're making. And he calls, look at verse 13, he calls all the priests together 
And he says, I want you to make a vow. I want you to make a promise to what you just said that you're not gonna treat your fellow countrymen this way. You're not gonna uh, charge them extra tax. You're not gonna enslave them, but you're gonna deal fairly with them. You're gonna return their lands, which was a big deal. You're gonna restore, you're gonna renew all these great rewords, right, in Nehemiah. You're, you're gonna make this right. And I want you to make a vow here in front of the priest and all the people in the great assembly. And then he says these words, look at verse 13. Let me read it to you. Nehemiah chapter five, verse 13. This is again, first person narrative, Nehemiah speaking. He says, I also shook out the fold of my garment and said, so may God shake out every man from his house and from his labor who does not keep this promise So may he be shaken out and may he be emptied. And all the assembly said, amen, which means we agree, amen. And they praised the Lord and the people did as they had promised. They followed through on their commitment. This is such a curious phrase here. I shook out the fold of my garment. What what it means is to to kind of um, like you would turn your, pocket inside out on your pants. Like, you know, if you if, 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 if you're, uh, have young kids right now, like we do, when we do laundry, we have to turn out the pockets on all the pants because why? Because there's usually a, a coin in there or a piece of trash or bubble gum wrapper or something that's gonna get in the wash or the dryer. So we, we turn it out and we, we make sure everything's emptied. That's what that means. And, and Nehemiah does this symbolically to say, hey, listen, if you don't keep your promise to, to treat people justly and, and to, to, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God, Micah 6, 8, if you, if you, don't, if you don't keep your commitment that you're making here to, to repentance and treating people rightly, God's gonna turn the pocket inside out and, and, and he's gonna shake you out and he's gonna, he's gonna continue to empty you of flesh and of self because left unto ourselves, remember guys, we, we can't treat people with justice. If we don't look to God first, we, we can't do it in our own flesh and our own strength. It's only by looking to God that we can, we can live with justice towards other people and we can, we can model that. And so that's what Nehemiah is saying here. And I love this symbol, this, this symbol of, of what he's doing with saying, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna shake the fold of my garment. I, I think 2020, I think you would agree with me on this. I think 2020 this year has been a year of shaking. I think God is shaking us. He's shaking us as a people. I think he's emptying us of of ourselves, of our flesh, of our own strength, of our own own cleverness, of our own ideas of wisdom so that we can look to him. I I think God is busy getting our attention. Wouldn't you agree? And and, and saying all the ways that you've looked to to get comfort and, and wisdom in this world and of yourself, you can't do that anymore. It's not working. We have to return to God. We have to look to God, to his word and his truth. God is shaking us and emptying us. I have this oak tree in the front of, uh, of my yard and it looks really healthy. But every time we get a storm and, and a wind that comes through, I, we pick up sticks the day after and it's all these dead limbs. If you look up at the tree right now, you wouldn't see it. It would look perfectly healthy. You would never see these dead limbs. But when the, when the wind blows through, when it's shaken, What's dead falls out. And I wonder if God is doing that for us in this season, in this time in your life right now, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your marriage. I wonder if God is is shaking you to make you look to him 
and to rid you of all the dead things in your life so you can experience more and more of his power and his life. Finally, in this passage today, in the story of Nehemiah chapter five, we see a great example. We see a great outcry. We see a great assembly that leads to repentance and change and shaking out. But also we see a great example from our friend Nehemiah as he models for them what what godly leadership really is. As as Nehemiah looks to God and then looks to the people to lead them, he gives us a great example in verses 14 through 19. You see, Nehemiah became governor because of what he believed should be, not because of what he believed he should be. And when we look at verses 14 through 19 here and this great example where Nehemiah says, I didn't exact a tax from people. I fed people from my own table. I didn't take the liberties and the the things that were due to me as the governor. In other words, I treated people in the way that I wanted to be treated. I didn't use my position to to lord it over them or or to take something from, from them. I used my position and my title as governor, which he becomes, to help people, to serve people. I became governor because of what I believed should be happening, that people should be treating each other with justice and with mercy and with love, not because of what I believed or what he believed he should be. In other words, it wasn't that Nehemiah needed a title. He didn't need to be governor. He didn't go to Jerusalem. He didn't return there to become governor. He took on that position because it afforded him the authority to be able to model to people and to live out and to help make sure that they treated each other justly and with love and with mercy. And the same is true for us. As Christ followers, we shouldn't seek a position or a title for itself. We should only seek leadership for what it allows us to do in serving other people and ultimately serving the kingdom of God, King Jesus, and bringing his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So Nehemiah models radical humility, radical generosity. He says here in this passage, I fed 150 people from my own table as governor. I didn't charge anybody anything I shouldn't charge them. I I, I handled them with, with kindness and with love. Look at verse 15. I love this, Nehemiah 5, verse 15. The former governors, the the former leaders, in other words, Nehemiah says, who were here before me laid heavy burdens on the people. They they used their power to, to take from people, Nehemiah says. And they took from their daily ration, 40 shekels of silver. They took money from them. But listen to these words, I love this. Even their servants lorded over the people. In other words, that type of behavior is contagious. Even their their servants of of the governors and the the leaders uh, took from other people. But listen to this, but I did not do so. Underline that phrase in your Bible. But I did not do so. And underline this, because of the fear of God. In other words, Nehemiah says, when I became governor, when he served for these 12 years, I didn't lord it over the people. I didn't use my power or position to take. I used my power and my position to what? To give. I didn't behave like other people behaved. I didn't do so because of why. Circle that word because. Why? Because I look within myself and I just tried harder. Nope. Because I just wanted to be different. Nope. Because I had better ideas. No. I didn't do that because I feared God. In other words, I didn't behave that way. And instead I behaved as a servant because I looked to God, because I feared him and him alone. What a powerful model and example Nehemiah is giving to each and every one of us. As Christ followers today, friends, I'm almost done here. Listen to this final words. As Christ followers, each of us are leaders. 
We're meant to be servant leaders who serve King Jesus. And that servant leadership begins first and foremost by fearing God. It's the beginning of all wisdom as we fear God and God alone and we look to him as we stand up for other people. It reminds us of someone else, right? Doesn't Nehemiah's great example remind us of the greatest example of servant leadership? Jesus takes his disciples in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 and 26. They're having an argument about who's the greatest. Jesus uh, huddles them up and he says, you know, the Gentiles, their leaders used to lord their position and their power over the people. They used it to exact attacks from them, to take from them, but not so with you. Matthew 20, 26, but not so with you. You're meant to lead differently. Jesus says that the greatest, if you wanna be great, you'll become a servant. You'll lead through service. And there's only one way that we can do that, dear friends. It's by looking to God. Nehemiah models so well for us here in Nehemiah chapter five. And Jesus gives us the perfect example, the ultimate example of this overwhelming principle from Nehemiah five that I hope you'll take with you today into your week. Bottom line, standing up for others begins with looking up to God. Standing up for others begins with looking up to God. To him alone be the glory today. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, together today we look to you. In this season of shaking, of emptying, of crisis, we look to you, the one true God who's faithful and true. Would you give us the faith today, each and every one of us, right now in this moment, would you give us the faith to listen to what you're saying to us? And would you give us the wisdom and the courage to take that straight from your word, your truth today in each of our hearts? Would you give us the wisdom and the courage now to go and obey? We'll give you the glory for it in Christ's name. Amen. We love you, New City. Thanks so much for joining us today.
joining us today. If you would extend your hands for a benediction, this one comes from Numbers chapter six. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.